Hi, welcome to episode 485 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm David Elliott, the man with the implosive aura. Today it's Fantastic Four, volume 3, number 56, aka Fantastic Four, 485, from August 2002. Remembrance of Things Past, by guest writer Carl Kessel and guest artist Stuart Immonen. A guy named Tom Leland has arrived in New York City. He's been taking some tourist photos, walking around the city, but the sun has gone down and he finds himself in a bad part of town, Yancey Street, where he encounters a monster on the street, it's a rock monster, who tells him, this part of town, some things ain't so nice. For a guy who's always talking shit about Yancey Street, Ben Grimm sure does love to go there and hang out. I bet there's a nightclub down there that caters to men who, you know, of his type. The tourist runs away in fear from Mr. Grimm. And this leads us into a flashback to Ben Grimm's childhood, where as a kid, he got caught by a neighbor for throwing rocks at a store window, and he, he's being dragged home by his ear. But before they get to Ben's parents, they encounter Ben's older brother, Daniel, who pulls out of wad of cash and tries to bribe the old man into not telling Ben's parents. The old man refuses, and before Daniel can punch the old man's lights out, Ben steps in and tells the old man that he'll work on weekends to pay off the damage. Back in the present, we see the thing walking by an adult video store. So yeah, I figure that's the kind of neighborhood he's looking for. Back in the past, Ben sees his older brother coming home from a fight, defending his turf on Yancey Street. He tells Ben, Look around you, Benji. What you see is what you get. It's all we'll ever get. And he adds, Us Grimms are street level. Always have been, always will be. And in another flashback, a cop is with little Ben and his mother after Daniel has been killed. The cop wants to see the father, and the mom says that he can be found at the bar. Can't you be a little more specific? There's more than a few bars in New York City. The cop is talking to Ben and tells him, I'm sure God took him to a better place. And Ben snaps back, But God left us here, didn't he? Can't they be a little more specific? There's more than a few gods in the Marvel Universe. But then later, Ben is a little older, and he's running with the gang now, the Yancey Street Gang. And they've broken into a store and stole some guy's Star of David. Yes, it's a Jewish street gang. Such a problem in New York City. Young Jewish thugs running wild in the streets. You can't control them. You can't. Back in the present, the thing stops by the Shekerberg pawn shop, owned by the old man, Mr. Shekerberg. Mr. Shekerberg, who previously had his window busted by young Ben Grimm, and the Star of David stolen from, from him by the gang. Ben enters the store, and the old man, baseball bat in hand, tells him to leave. And when he recognizes Ben Grimm as the thing, it doesn't make him feel any better that Ben is some kind of hero now. And Ben doesn't make things better when he knocks over a stack of dishes. The old man swings his bat, 
Yeah, good luck with that, Mr. Shekerberg. And Ben yanks it out of his hands. It seems that the old man has been getting extortion letters, and he thinks that Ben, a guy who lives in the penthouse of a skyscraper, is responsible. He thinks that Ben is working as the muscle for the Yancey Street Gang. Ben says he hasn't run with that crowd in a long time, but he takes off his coat and says he'll take care of it. He heads back outside, and there's another flashback, where a teenage Ben Grimm is trying to call a meeting of the gang, but they yell out, and they inform him he's been kicked out of the group, on account of that since his parents died, he now lives in a fancy place with his uncle, a doctor, and they toss trash at Ben, and then back in the present, the current Yancey Street gang proceeds to dump a bunch of garbage on the thing, and then he gets shot, and he thinks he's bleeding, but then he realizes it's only a red paintball he's been shot with. And then they throw bottles and spray water at him. And Ben proceeds forward after him. And then later, Ben goes back into the store and tells Mr. Shekerberg that he's got the Yancey Street gang on the run. But Shekerberg tells Ben that the gang isn't involved. It's someone else. And out of the shadows comes this big, muscle-bound supervillain attacking Ben. He jumps down and he lands in front of Ben and he calls himself Powder Keg, the man with the explosive aura. And what the hell does that mean? Thankfully, he takes a moment to explain. Okay, maybe not an aura. More like my skin exudes nitroglycerin. Yeah, well that sounds unpleasant. Mr. Shakerberg says he's calling the police, and Powder Keg smacks Ben in the head. And with Ben down, he flicks a little bit of his sweat on Mr. Shakerberg. And then Ben gets back up and punches Powder Keg. And then Powder Keg gets up, and he is sprayed in the face with mace by these arms sticking out, obviously belonging to the members of the Yancey Street Gang. And then he gets sprayed with water and get knocked and he gets knocked backwards. Someone opens up a manhole by hand, by the way, which I think you have to use a tool for that, right? And Powder Keg falls into the open manhole. And then Ben gets Powder Keg and wraps him up in a metal street sign and checks on Mr. Shekerberg, who's still alive but not doing so well. So Ben says a little prayer in Hebrew form. Shekerberg gets up and says to Ben, It's good to see you haven't forgotten what you learned at Temple, Benjamin. All those years in the news, they never mention you're Jewish. I thought maybe you were ashamed of it a little. Huh. I've known that Ben is Jewish, but is this the first time it's actually been mentioned in the pages of the Fantastic Four? I just googled it, and yes, this is the first time it's been officially presented that Ben Grimm is Jewish. Just like his co-creator, Jacob Kurtzberg, who would go on to be known as Jack Kirby. And since the thing has always been the character that's always been portrayed as being the most like Jack Kirby, it's a nice little tribute to the man to make Ben Jewish as well. Ben says he doesn't make a big deal out of it. Mr. Shagerberg asks why Ben even came down to the pawn shop in the first place. And Ben pulls out this thing out of his belt. It's the Star of David necklace that he and the gang took all those years ago. The old man takes it, and then he yells, 
Too bad, I'm not going to forgive you. But he later says, because there's nothing to forgive. He understands that Ben lost his brother and had that horrible upbringing with terrible parents and got mixed up with the gang. He goes on to ask why Ben keeps coming back to Yancey Street where the Yancey Street gang keep throwing stuff like tomatoes at him. He theorizes that he thinks that Ben thinks he deserves the abuse from the gang since he got out of there and the rest of them didn't. Huh. Where exactly is Yancey Street anyway? It's definitely in Manhattan, which means it's gotta be gentrified by 2002 and taken over by rich yuppies like most of Manhattan. I googled it and I see pictures of Yancey Street from previous issues and it intersects 10th Avenue and 5th Avenue which both run north and south so I guess Yancey Street runs across the island from east to west. Now 10th Avenue starts in Chelsea and runs up through Hell's Kitchen and then it changes names. So Yancey Street has to be in the middle of Manhattan where all the streets are numbered so it doesn't make sense to have Yancey Street intersecting 10th Avenue. My guess is that Ben's old neighborhood on Yancey Street was supposed to be in Hell's Kitchen, which Daredevil readers would know was a, was a rough neighborhood before gentrification. But it could be Chelsea, which would make a lot of sense and really explain why Ben Grimm keeps going back, because there are lots of clubs and bars for guys like Ben there. And that would explain why he doesn't want to tell the very religious Mr. Shegerberg why he keeps coming back. Why do you keep coming back here, Benjamin? Oh, it's the sex club for men who have a fetish for rock monsters. I don't think he's going to tell him that. I just don't. So back to this story. Ben says that Mr. Shekerbird's theory is ridiculous, which it is. The old man compares Ben to the Gollum, a being made out of clay, but he wasn't a monster. He was a protector. And he gives the Star of David necklace back to Ben to keep. Ben says... That doesn't mean he's going to start going back to Temple. Shekerberg says he doesn't expect him to, but he does expect him to help with the mess in the store. Ben suggests he pay for the damage, but the old man doesn't want his money. Then, Ben says, just like he did all those years ago, he says that maybe he'll come down on the weekends to work off the cost. Shekerberg likes that idea better. They hear sirens in the distance, and the cops are on their way. It took them long enough. Ben goes back over to Powder Keg, who asks, So, you're Jewish? And Ben replies, There a problem with that? No, Powder Keg replies. It's just, you don't look Jewish. Wah, wah. And that is the end of the issue, which I thought was a pretty good issue. Why did it take 485 issues to explore Ben's background like this? I'd like to see more issues about the past lives of the Fantastic Four. I think Claremont hinted at the adventurous life Reed had before he became Mr. Fantastic, and I'd like to see more of that. And what the hell were Sue and Johnny doing before issue number one? Other than that one story about their father, who I don't know much about what they were doing when they were recruited to work on Reed's spaceship. Anyway, I like these additions to Ben's backstory. The relationship with Mr. Shekerberg is nice. And the Yancey Street Gang, as always still isn't shown on panel, they're just a bunch of voices off panel, and maybe a hand or two as they throw things at Ben. At this point, you gotta think the Yancey Street Gang is just a bunch of spoiled rich asshole kids causing trouble, and not poor disadvantaged kids from a bad neighborhood as they were in the past. Now Powder Keg 
is not much of a villain, I must say. And having skin that creates explosions when you touch him, that's like the most impractical power I can imagine. Even Rogue from the X-Men would be like, okay, that really sucks. Also, I really like the art in this issue, issue by Stuart Eminen, and I kind of wish he would stay on the book, because I'm not a big fan of the next artist who comes on. So that's all I have for now. A pretty enjoyable issue, I think. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. I was posting some of my favorite panels from each issue at www.podcastff.blogspot.com, but instead, I'm going to start using my Twitter account again, which you can find by looking at podcastff. And finally, you can download other episodes of iTunes or find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. I'm not-